Welcome to another episode of Sage Cigarettes Presents A Ghost in the Magazine, your favorite horror movie podcast. I'm Steph, and unfortunately, Elle could not join us this episode. Um, Self-care is very important to us over here at Sage Cigarettes. Um, So we have another member of the Sage Cigarettes team stepping in today. Hello, I'm Gabe. That's Gabe. (laughs) Gabe actually does most of the tweets um, on the podcast Twitter, which you can find at GITM Podcast. Um, And we watched this week's movie together and we're actually recording in the same apartment, which never happens. Elle and I are never together. We're all the way across the country from each other. So this is a new experience altogether. Um, So... This week's movie was um, His House. It's a Netflix original, and it follows a man named Bull and his wife, Riel. And I'm sorry if I'm butchering those names. Um, They're South Sudanese refugees trying to seek asylum in the UK. So first of all, I just want to pause because the wife is played by Wunmi Misaku, and she also plays Ruby in Lovecraft Country. So she's a phenomenal actor, first and foremost. And if you've listened from the beginning, they, you know that we love a Lovecraft adaptation over here. And this one is amazing. It's a lot to take in. Um, there's a lot of racial injustice because it's around that time. If you love the Lovecraft monsters, they feature a few in there. I'm not going to tell you which ones because it's too exciting. So anyways, um, in this movie, the couple is detained when they enter the country and then they're released on probation until a consensus can be made on whether or not they can stay. So they're struggling with that, but then also on the boat ride over, they lost their daughter. So it's just a hard situation all around. And then they have, they're assigned a caseworker who is Matt Smith plays the, the caseworker. And it's, it's really hard to see him for me anyway, as anything other than the 11th doctor. But this role really kind of does that because he repeatedly tells them to be one of the good ones and to assimilate quickly to like better their chances of being able to stay in the country, which is super gross. And he seems to be one of the better caseworkers, but it, it's still kind of yucky. Yeah, he, he is, I don't want to say acceptable. Yeah. Or tolerable. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm looking for. He's tolerable. Tolerable. But yeah, sure. He's the best what you got. Like a so best just, of a bad situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they get on the bus, they go to their house, and he's showing them around the house, and outside and inside the house is, is just trash. And at first, it's kind of hard to tell what they think of the house, mm-hmm. and Bull goes over to the kitchen, and I think there was, like, some old food there, and he lifted it up, and there were some roaches and stuff, and he's, he just obviously is disgusted by it, but they just keep walking around the house, and the caseworker is, like, trying to upsell the house, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is a really nice house, it's the size. It's a lot bigger than ours, so you're really lucky that you got this house. Like, trying to sugarcoat the situation, like, yeah, it's trash. With a little bit of cleaning up, this house is going to be beautiful or whatever. But then after a while, he leaves, and they're just in the house. Bull goes upstairs, and he's sitting in the room, and he starts crying, but with, like, tears of joy. Like, he's happy that he got that house, and it's just for them. It's theirs. And I'm also sure that he's crying because he's happy to be alive and out of the situation that he was in. 
Mm-hmm. And speaking of like the house, for me, when I think of scary movies and horror movies, I always think of isolated place where there's not many people around. So if anything were to happen, there's not really witnesses. But here, it's kind of like never really an apartment, but they're close together. Like everything's touching. It's interesting that that's the way they chose the setting for this movie. So um, so I also like it, and I totally understand what you're saying. Though this was kind of flipping that trope on its head. So like while it might seem that everything is close to together from the outside looking in or like from a white citizen there who's never had to face any kind of persecution they really actually are isolated nobody cares about the refugees there um they only care enough to like watch them and notice if they're doing anything abnormal they don't care if they're in peril they don't care if they're unhealthy they don't care if they're living in a roach infested shithole because they feel like they should be fortunate as you said because they in a home of their own without having to share it with a bunch of different families but I almost feel like that would have been better to share it with other people who know what they're going through and can sympathize maybe not necessarily with a night witch on their tail but they aren't allowed to go anywhere they're not allowed to move and they don't have anywhere to go and that's really evident when the wife goes out to find a doctor she runs into a group of black teenage boys and they tell her to go back to africa which is ignorant as fuck and just shows you how alone they really are they only have each other and then that sucks it sucks but it just kind of lends to the whole atmosphere of the movie. As a black woman, or a black person in general, in a place that you're unfamiliar with, I feel like on instinct, you gravitate towards people who are the same color as you. because Yes, it's familiar. They're going to be friendly. They understand that sometimes other people that aren't black might look at you differently. So it's like you can relate to them. So it's like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with them. You know? Yeah. But they still were mean to her because her accent. And her scars, good. which is so unfortunate. It's really sad because these boys, I'm not familiar with racial issues in the UK at all. I'm only familiar with the US because that's where I live. That's my life. I know that history. We live it every day. Gabe and I are both brown. But they are coming from a place of privilege that they were probably born in the UK. They don't know what the Sudanese people are going through. And it just extra sucks because even if they don't know her and they're not familiar with her, just help her a little bit and she spoke English she initially addressed them in her native tongue but when she realized they didn't speak that language she switched to English just help a little bit and it just kind of makes everything more horrifying it's kind of like the walls are closing in they're in this big country but they're stuck in this one little place with no understanding so something I loved about this movie is that the scares start right away looking at the movie as a whole it's not an overly terrifying movie for me but But, you know, sometimes I'm really in the mood for a movie that doesn't beat around the bush. And it's an almost constant trope in haunted house movies. That whole, is the main character unhinged? Are strange things really afoot here? And his house doesn't play that game. Both the husband and wife can see the manifestations that the night witch is using to plague them. They both can see it. They know they're not crazy. They know that something happened. And how they each deal with it is different. So those manifestations come in the form of ghostly apparitions a 
of their daughter who they lost and faces in the walls. Like that's just the name of a few. And it's the ghosts of the people in the boats that died on the way there and the people from their home who died while they were trying to escape. It's hard. So there's like a point where Bull takes a hammer to multiple places in the walls. He's trying to flush the entity out and destroy it. It's not really a logical way, but when you're going through something like that, I'm sure all logic goes out the door. Um, So all he really does is he makes a big mess of the walls and then he tries to appeal to the caseworker and tells him that they need to move because they have a rat infestation, which leads to them making a visit to the house and seeing all the damage. That's a bad sign because they're supposed to be respecting the government's property or whatever. It doesn't bode well for the future of them being able to stay there. And in normal scary movie fashion, when asked why they would destroy a house this way, the main character would usually lie and say something more mundane because they think that they're not going to believe but bull's wife flat out comes down she's wearing african clothing even though bull was trying to get them to wear the clothes of the place and tells caseworker dead in his face and says oh it's the night witch <laughs> back to what you were saying about them both seeing the night witch when they first appeared or seeing the uh, ghosts and uh, all that other stuff the wife real she seemed to very quickly accept what she saw mm-hmm. but bull he saw it but was then trying to brush it off he didn't really want to believe it i think it was at the hammer scene is when it started to really get to him he was trying to figure out different ways to get rid of it and they were like burning everything that they brought over with them even like the shirt he was wearing he just took it off threw it in there and burned it all because he just he thought that it was tied to something that they brought yeah and also the way i look at it he's just trying to erase the past he came to this new country he wanted to just start over have a new life to add on to that he's trying to very quickly adapt to this new country that he's in matt smith was telling them to be one of the good ones and they had a trouble so he's like okay well I should just be like them so he went out to go to the store he went to a clothing store and as soon as he walks in one of the workers they're like watching very close this guy obviously looks like he's not from here maybe to this guy he's like oh he looks a little dirty looks a little crazy uh, so he's like keeping a very close eye on him and Bull's looking at the coasters on the wall the sales and whatnot. And, you know, hey you can get this shirt this pants this, these shoes these would go very well together so he copies that exact image of the guy and he goes back home they're having dinner and he's like oh yeah this is delicious telling Rial you gotta use the silverware don't use your hands yeah that was sad the movie doesn't really say but she doesn't like the food at all no the seasonings are different yeah but he is like this is delicious. I don't think he really liked it. I yeah, think yeah, he's yeah. just trying the... to like encourage her. Right. He's just trying to be what he thinks is normal, which is like being like them. And he's trying to get her to quickly change with him. Yeah. I think that was a full on desperation move because he's desperate to stay there. But I also think he's scared. He's terrified. Um, He's running away from all the guilt. So the guilt of the daughter dying and also the survivor's guilt. All of it was traumatic. They need to take time and heal from that and they need to talk about it and he's just so quick to try and brush everything under the rug slap some paint on it call it a day and move on when you're human that's just not possible and ultimately you know all that's gonna explode so he wants to stay she's intent on going back because she feels like she doesn't belong there and also she feels like they need to accept what's happened to them as the haunts continue we learn 
learned that the daughter they lost wasn't actually their daughter. When the refugees were escaping, there was no more room on the bus except for families. So Bull stole a screaming little girl who was looking for her mother so that they could get a seat on the bus. And that scene where the mom sees the daughter, they see each other through the bus windows and they're like screaming for each other is really heartbreaking. And it's wrong 100%, but I don't think we can really gauge that type of situation since we're outside of it. And it begs the adult question, what would you do for love and for survival? Right. And most people would answer it like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. I just accept whatever's happening and this and that. They would say the answer that you would want to hear, right? But right. no one knows how they're going to act in a stressful situation like that, you know? So I'm sure he was a good guy. He was a, a decent person and he would never think of stealing a child. He was in a situation where he and his wife were about to die. He saw opportunity and he jumped on it. And also, we didn't really talk about it, but the Night Witch, it goes after thieves. Yes. And in this case, he stole someone's life. If you want to get technical, it's two lives because I'm assuming the mom didn't live. Right. It should have been the mom and the child on the bus and Bolo and Rial should have been left behind. So the Night Witch ends up telling Rial because she's the one who's more willing to be like, what do we need to do to make this go away? While Bolo is like, no, this isn't happening. So the Night Witch tells her that he can bring the girl back, which honestly, I don't even think is the truth. I think he uses that as a way to get what he wants. And then all she has to do is cut her husband open and let the Night Witch get up in there. Like, it's not a big deal. And Rial battles with that decision. And ultimately, Bull makes a decision for her and he cuts his arm open to be an entry point for the Night Witch. And that's how I know that he's a good man. He's a good person and he made a huge mistake when he did what he did. And ultimately, he faces up to that and he's like, all right, I'm going to sacrifice myself to the Night Witch. And so all the subtle, like, eyes peeking through the walls and all that, the zombie ghosts and things like that, all of that ends and the floor opens up and the grotesque body of the Night Witch comes after him. And answering the call of what would you do for love, Rial decides that protecting her husband means more than potentially bringing the little girl back. Because again, we don't know if he was really going to do that. And she slits the witch's throat, which is wild. Also, in that moment where she decided she was going to try to kill the Night Witch, the little girl was holding her hand. Was holding her hand. She had what she wanted, or at least what she thought. The illusion, yeah. It could have also been the illusion because she could have been there as like a physical manifestation with the Night Witch, but she could have disappeared right after. Yes, that was true. So whether or not it was real or not, she wasn't having it. She's like, you know what? No, I think she was having like a flashback, but she said, you know, I'm going home. And that's when she went after the Night Witch. And who knows? She might not have even thought that would actually work. Right. Desperation moves, which is nice because sometimes in scary movies, people don't try shit. That's like one of the things I'm always yelling at the TV. Just try. Like do something. Don't just stand there. People are paralyzed by fear and they're like, oh, it's not going to work. I would try anything. So, well, it's as happy an ending as they could expect in their situation. And then ultimately, you know, being on the credits rolling, they still have to deal with settling into their new home and, and dealing with their trauma. This would be another situation. I've said it before where I would love to see what happens post the end of the movie, like how they deal with the after effects of a freaking night witch crawling out of their kitchen floor and trying to 
to possess him. Okay, so let's talk about the things that we liked and things we didn't like about this movie. And since you're my guest, you can go first. So I like that this movie wasn't that predictable, at least in my opinion. Because obviously they mentioned that the daughter had died. I didn't see it coming that it wasn't theirs and the way she died. I didn't think it happened like that. So I kept guessing the entire movie on like what's happened. Because a lot of a lot of horror movies like once you start getting part of the way through, you can pretty much guess who the killer is. Or yes. How they're gonna stop the monster and this and that. I couldn't really think of any anything up until like it actually happened. I do like the message that I got out of it. Don't steal, because then you have. <laughs> I mean, I've only seen these two actors in this movie, other than obviously the uh, the wife in Lovecraft Country. But I like seeing new faces in movies and not the same actors and actresses. To me, the Night Witch looked a little cheesy. The uh, CGI or whatever they use. He, he was creepy, no doubt. But it, I don't know. It looked, it looked a little off to me. I think that's so funny that you said that because that's one of the things that I uh, like about this movie. Um, it's fine. Um, I, there wasn't much I can say that I didn't like about this movie. I think overall, especially watching the ending a second time, I think overall it was it was good. Like Netflix has been consistently putting out some freaking bangers, and I don't know when they got so good. Like they must have just perfected their uh, Netflix exclusive team to let, just pump these gems out. But I love the dreamlike sequences that are horrifying. But they're almost pretty like there's one of the scenes they did multiple of um you know everyone drowning from the boat but there was one where bowl was like on top of the water and like things were rising up out of the water i loved the crap out of that and because they were almost pretty it cut through like the real life horror that they're actually living in even though it's all scary and they really don't get any breaks and i think that works well with this type of movie and then the other thing that i loved <laughs> which I feel like blends in with that was the appearance of the Night Witch. So through the whole movie, he speaks through other characters, characters from their past that they're familiar with. And he's kind of just this awful idea that's breathing down their necks. And then at the end of the movie, he makes this grand entrance. I am such a sucker for undead and otherworldly limbs, like popping through places, whether it's through the earth or like through walls and grabbing people. That's like one of my favorite visual images in horror and he did just that busted one of his arms through and grabbed onto bull and just the way that he looks is such a contrast to the way that the ghosts and stuff look like the the scene that sticks with me the most was when Rial looks over at the wall and through the holes there are all of these faces which is scary because imagine you're just chilling in your shitty ass living room and you look over and there's all these people in the walls so that's scary but then this motherfucker comes up through the floor and he's all wrinkles saggy skin a broken nose and like these smoldering glowy eyes and he's just so out of place that I feel like it was just a scary element that the movie just really needed to take it to the next level. And I love that it was just at the end. And the thing that scared me the most about him besides the way that he looked was how slowly he was trying to get inside Bull's body. Like in a possession movie, the entity generally doesn't need an access point by way of broken skin. Like I'm sure there are exceptions to that. Please don't at me. You don't really see that. Which leads to the thought that he has a weakness and he can be killed. Do you have any final thoughts about his house? I think it's one that 
people should definitely check out. And it kind of goes with the theme of last week's bad hair with um, black horror. I love that more movies like this are popping up. I think it's important. Representation matters. You know, seeing your stories on the screen, they matter. And it's definitely time to step out of the box. People like Jordan Peele are definitely making that happen. And I think it's setting a trend, a trend that we love to see. So Elle and I have already done this. Since you have not been on the podcast already, I'm going to ask you, and I'm putting you on the spot because I didn't tell you I was going to be asking you. Um, what is the first horror movie that you remember watching? I want to say that my first answer would be Saw. But I will say either after that time or before, I know it's not considered horror. Uh, in parts of the Caribbean, what? The Curse of the Black Pearl. The scene when Elizabeth runs up. You know, I, I already know what you're going to yeah. say. <laughs> And, and, you know, everyone is, like, undead and whatnot. And then, like, the monkey shows up and he's, like, all undead. Yeah. That, that scarred me as a kid. That 100% doesn't count, but I'm going to let you – I'm going to let that one slide. What is the first horror movie you remember scaring the shit out of you? Well, Don't okay. say Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, we're not talking about that. Saw. Why? Because, well, there's a lot of jump scares in that movie with the pig. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, and, like, the noises that, you know, the pig noises that happened when, when it came out. But then, like, just imagining yourself in a situation like that. I mean, yeah. From what I can remember of Saw, because it's not, like, a favorite franchise of mine. I watched all of them, and then I decided I was never going to watch them again. So that's just in my don't watch again pile, but not the don't watch again pile because it's scary. It's just not that it for me. Alrighty, so next week's movie is Prom Night 1980 with the fabulous Jamie Lee Curtis. And, you know, our Halloween issue of Sage Cigarettes magazine is still available, as always, online. Submissions close for the last issue of 2020. They close on December 1st, and that issue will be out on New Year's Eve. If you're interested, there's still time to get your submissions in. You can follow the podcast again and on Twitter at GITM Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter if you would like to at WitchXPudding. And you can follow Gabe if you want to. What's your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is Gabuto, and it's G-E-I-B-U-T-O. Fair warning, I do not tweet at all. Occasionally, I'll retweet something if I think it's that funny. That was like a super hard sell. So yeah, follow Gabe on Twitter. Okay, bye!